Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the John Kincaid Show. If you are that offended by everything in life, this isn't the radio show for you. There's plenty more to choose from because this one will drive you absolutely batty. Drive you crazy. Here's John Kincaid. This show's going to drive you crazy anyway. Who am I kidding? John Kincaid Show, CBS Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios. You want to see your loan options, adjust payments, closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. Check out our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, and we appreciate their fine patronage here on the John Kincaid Show on CBS Sports Radio. Uh-oh. Karen is chiming in. I don't know if it's Karen because it's a man. Anthony. I got a Karen checking in. How could you be going to Las Vegas right now? How could you do that? Why would you be doing that? So I now have a... Why would you now be doing that? I I guess those things happen in life, right? You wake up worrying about what somebody else is doing, and then you pass on that information. Uh, And if I knew your name, if you weren't an egg, I would, you know, be glad to respond. But I don't. But I don't. John Kincaid Show, CBS Sports Radio. Uh, David Sampson. It's a pretty good hour here. David Sampson from CBS Sports HQ on the return of Major League Baseball, and I know he was highly skeptical of it. He was highly skeptical they'd be able to pull this off. I'm anxious to hear what he thinks now. And Dennis Dodd, one of the best in the country, writing on college football. Highly skeptical of college football returning. And guess what? There's great reason to be skeptical. But we'll talk to Dennis Dodd coming up. I wonder if my positivity will piss off both men. Two of my favorites, but will it piss them off? Anthony, what are the odds that I piss off David Sampson and Dennis Dodd this hour with my positivity? Really, I mean, high? No, low. I don't think you have to worry about pissing them off. You know, yeah, hopefully not. We'll find out. We'll find out a little bit later on. I love this one. This story was just so charming to me that I just wanted to make sure that I found some time for it and give it, uh, give it its proper due. The uh, college basketball coaches want the SAT and the ACT to be removed. They want it eliminated for the eligibility of college basketball players. They want it eliminated. No more SAT and ACT. And by the way, if you know anything about the process right now, and maybe it's because of the fact that we are uh, going through it in our house, There are many who you don't 
many schools now that are test optional. What that means is it doesn't you you can't just say ah uh, I I don't care about like I don't care about the test. It's if you are an exceptional student. There are many many schools that now say you can choose to submit your application test optional where you don't have to give your SAT and ACT score. And if you are good enough and if you are outstanding enough, they will still get you in to the university. But the National Association of Basketball Coaches Thursday proposed that the SAT and the ACT be eliminated overall immediately from NCAA basketball, calling them longstanding forces of institutional racism. The proposal says the SAT and ACT, longstanding forces of institutional racism, and they no longer have a place in intercollegiate athletics or higher education at large. This is an important step towards combating educational inequality in our country. All right. So what was my next step? First of all, I wonder why would college basketball coaches be worried about the ACT and the SAT and want it eliminated? Well, I think you know as well as I do. They want to win basketball games. They want their next million-dollar shoe contract. Oh, by the way, when I say million-dollar, you mean like millions of dollars in their pockets by delivering their university top athletes and as such. So that's one thing. But the first thing I did was then research minority test scores. It's very simple to do. ACT and SAT. Because I actually find the premise insulting. Maybe I'm wrong. And I give you the disclaimer right off the bat. I am a a middle-aged white guy from a middle-class neighborhood in suburban Philadelphia. So I am just going by numbers. I'm just going by the numbers, the data. I find it insulting that, well, you you can't, we don't need the SAT and the ACT anymore in, in college athletics to get a guy in to play basketball because it's a racist test. Okay? So then I looked at SAT and ACT data among minority students among inner city students in the United States of America and just various sites, various information. You can pull it up for yourself. And Anthony, what do you think I found? What do you think I found studying the ACT and the SAT in minority communities in the United States? By the way, I have data from like 1990 on. Better numbers than uh, people would like well, you to believe? Yes. How about better numbers? How about better numbers in 1995 than in 1990? How about better numbers in minority communities in 2000 than 1995? How about better numbers in 2010 than 2005? How about better numbers in 2017? Last numbers I found that was it, that I they, the site was good enough. 2017, 2018 school year. So the class of 2018, the class of 2018, boasting scores six to seven percent better in minority communities than the class of 2000. 
So I'm just going to say I find the the premise insulting. And I know what college basketball coaches are all about. Winning. And the idea, can I get a one and done to come in here? Can I get a guy one and done to come in, get me to the tournament, get me my next shoe deal? Because it's not about the education. So any one of these coaches that's pushing for this, let's eliminate the ACT and the SAT. Here's the bottom line. You're not doing that. You're not pushing for that. For the guy that you think, well, I'm pushing for him to get a four-year degree. No, you're pushing for the ones and dones. You're pushing for guys who couldn't get into the school if there's that barometer, if it's in there. There are some coaches who we've known over the years, well, maybe someone else took the SAT, went to another state and took it for them. Let's be honest here. Let's be honest here. That's what this is about. It's about trying to win basketball games. It's trying to win basketball games. That's what this is about. All about it. It's not about the ACT and the SAT. And I find it insulting. It's an insulting premise. Because what we've seen is minority students are doing better and better and better at standardized testing. So why insult them by saying that they can't? Because they most certainly can. And the data's there to show it. I get to, it's a simple search. Before writing the story, it's a simple search. They go and go, wow, is it really, really? Are, are, are scores plummeting? No, they're not. By the way, scores nationwide up. In every five-year period, up. Interesting. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4CBS, our toll-free line, sponsored by GEICO. Did you know GEICO offers an extra 15% credit right now for car, motorcycle, and RV policies on top of what GEICO could already save you? So what are you waiting for? Visit GEICO.com, and you can potentially learn more. We're just minutes away from David Sampson joining us on the return of Major League Baseball. Now, David Sampson was not pulling a buster only. 5% chance. The night baseball was announced coming back. Keith Olbermann. Well, we can talk about baseball coming back. It's never going to happen. But we can talk about it if you want. The negative Nancys. Man. Buster only. 5% chance baseball comes back. And a 0% chance that they finish. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Olney. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You will not have your baseball. I know better. I've got a crystal ball and a medical degree that I got on Facebook, and I know baseball will never come back successfully. (laughs) Oh, my God. These guys must be losing their minds. They must be losing their minds. Olbermann rocking back and forth, sucking his thumb in the corner, going, they can't come back. Coronavirus can't come back. Coronavirus can't come back. Can't come back. Sounds like a scene out of Rain Man. All right. Somebody get Keith his binky and and calm him down because he's going to see baseball on Thursday night. But they're still doubling down. Oh, Canada doesn't want the baseball to come in because it's just too dangerous. Just very, very dangerous. (laughs) 
I will find the next way to try to scare the hell out of you because I've been wrong on everything else, so I'm going to keep throwing new stuff against the wall to see how much you can be scared. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> By the way, the obsession with A-Rod, the obsession of, of hatred for A-Rod, it's real. It's real. And if you don't like Alex Rodriguez, if you think Alex Rodriguez is a big phony, that he's a guy who, you know, cheated the game, cheated his peers, uh, did things to cut corners, I absolutely will 100% agree with you. He cheated. He knew he was cheating. He had to be suspended for an entire season. But you got to admit, his story of bounce back is pretty incredible. And now people are all upset that A-Rod is, well, first off, he's trying to buy the Mets. And a buddy of mine in Atlanta, Chris Domino, does uh, sports talk radio here in Atlanta, big baseball fan, big baseball guy. And he's covered the game for a long, long time. He's, he's one of the best voices I've ever heard on it. And Domino said the other day, flat out, he doesn't think Alex Rodriguez should be doing any games this year on the television. And I think I agree with him. I agree with him. Why should Alex Rodriguez be allowed to, like, would Tony Romo, if he was trying to buy a team, be allowed to be a voice on national analyst on TV where he could influence free agents, influence the game, talk about salary caps and everything like that? Shouldn't you be removed? If you want to be an owner, because he won't be able to have the job as an analyst if he's an owner. Why are they letting Alex Rodriguez do any games? No, they're like, well, he won't do any Mets games. If there's any Mets games, he won't do it. He shouldn't be doing any games. What do they say on uh, Tiki and Tierney? What does my man Samter love to play? Are you in or are you out? Are you in or out? A-Rod, you in or you out? You want to be an owner? Want to be a TV guy? Owner? TV guy. Tell me what you want to be. Make a choice. I'll ask David Sampson about that coming up. Raphael in Vermont joins us. Raphael, how are you, brother? Hey, John, how are you? What's going on? Listen, John, I'm, I'm going to say about that, that story you said about the guy, you know, proposed to his wife, uh, to his fiancée at the 50-yard yes. line. On the 50-yard hey. line. Everybody knows. I, I, I don't know how you miss that story because it's not stage. It's a storyline because there is a meaning behind it. It's just reenacting a song of Toby Keith, How You Like Me Now. Because uh, the 50-yard line means something. That means what he's telling that woman. When you see somebody proposing to that girl at the 50-yard line, the story means that woman was with me during the trial and tribulation when I was a nobody. I talked to her. She used to listen to me. And now I'd want to run. Here's what I don't understand, though, is Trevor Lawrence is one of the greatest quarterbacks in the game right now. No, I take it. Why not? Why not put it on the why not get in the red zone? No, put her on the 10 yard line. No, that's not the thing. The thing is, <laughs> she, he will never have to tell her how you like me now. She's not the type. No, of I understand that. Have to say that. But wait, but, but you're not. But you're not addressing. You're not addressing what we talked about. It wasn't a surprise engagement. 
You're not no, surprised. Not no surprised. woman is surprised being led out to the 50-yard line of an empty football stadium with a no, camera not- with a cameraman there to take pictures. Yeah, but it's not surprising. It doesn't have to be surprising. It's just a statement you are making to the world. That woman is special. Oh, I, now guess what? And I like, and guess what? I love that. I love That's that all. statement. My only yeah. issue was stop trying to make it out like it was a surprise. It wasn't a surprise. The, the, they, uh, they obviously surprised. were... They obviously were dressed for, for pictures. Woman. Well, that's that what I'm saying. Woman. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's all I said. We yeah. agree. All right, buddy. I got to run. Got to run. There you go, buddy. Um, <laughs> David Sampson joins us from CBS Sports HQ. And I'll ask him about A-Rod. Why should he work any games this year? And more importantly, how surprising is he that baseball's coming back this week? Hope he wasn't one of the negative Nancys. John Kincaid Show, CBS Sports Radio. This is the John Kincaid Show. Well, first time I lose a drink whiskey, second time I lose a drink gin, third time I lose a drink anything cause I think I'm gonna win. show never stops on Twitter. Follow along at John Kincaid. I don't believe there's anything in David Sampson's contract with CBS Sports HQ being an insider on the world of Major League Baseball that forbids him from helping me make money betting on the over-under win totals of Major League Baseball teams. We'll find out if that's the case here on the John Kincaid Show as we welcome David to the show. How are you, David? Good. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing all right. Are you? Uh, uh, first of all, how surprised are you that we are on the verge of starting the season? Because there were many gloom and doom voices. How surprised are you that it's going to be starting? Well, I couldn't be happier because I get to shave my beard on Thursday at seven oh nine p.m. I'm, I'm glad, by the way. Baseball. <laughs> you, you you were you're looking a little homeless. I got to tell you, you're looking a little homeless. I'm glad to see well, you get a chance to take that off. It's all been for a good cause, raised uh, $100,000 for charity, and, and, and that's been important. But it's, uh, I think it's great that, that sports is back, and I am just hopeful that uh, we get to Thursday, first pitch. After that, let the cards fall where they may. What, do you, uh, what has surprised you, either positively or negatively, in regards to how they've gotten this thing amped up? Because... I mean, six positive tests is, like, pretty incredible work, considering the teams are not in a bubble. Yeah, what's surprising me, actually, is focus more on the field of play. I think that uh, the way spring training part two has happened, where they went right to live batting practice, right to inter-squad games, that's not really normal after an off-season, and this was like an off-season. So I've been positively surprised at the quality of some of the at-bats, some of the pitching that's happened but I think that when the games start for real, what I'm worried about on the negative side is some of the injuries that could happen. I know Anthony Rendon is day-to-day with an oblique. You had Jacob DeGrom with a back. So there, there's certain things. You know, Freddie Freeman obviously came back and is – I don't know that he'll be ready for opening day. Even if he plays, I just don't think he's game ready. So I think that's some of the negative from this shortened, truncated spring training. Now, in a normal year, the the at least what the talk usually is that pitching is ahead of hitting early on in the season. I wonder if that's because it's usually colder. The temperatures are colder. Uh, players don't get warmed up as easily. This is a season starting in July. Do you believe pitchers be, will be ahead of hitters? Hitters will be ahead of pitchers, or do you think it's a toss-up? 
I, I still think pitchers will be ahead of hitters because during the uh, shutdown, you know, it's sort of easier for pitchers to throw bullpens and to keep their arms stretched loose and potentially ready. But hitters, they've got to see major league pitching. They need actual at-bats to get their timing, even if it's only three weeks. But that comes after an off-season of working out and getting ready. So I worry a little bit more about the hitters and what their ability will be. Because all of these inter-squad games, everyone celebrates, let's say, when Aaron Judge or Stanton hit a home run. Keep in mind, of course, as the president of a team watching, that means they're hitting home runs off my number two starter or off <laughs> exactly. my number three starter. So there's a negative to every positive that happens. Uh, David Sampson, CBS Sports HQ, joining us. A, uh, you know, the insight on Major League Baseball's return. And, David, if you got – let's say you're running a team again. Okay, you're running a team, and somebody. This is your first year, and you haven't hired your manager yet, and you're hiring somebody for a 60 game season. In these kind of conditions, you go in old school. You go in new school. So I'm going old school, and here's why: because every game becomes like a playoff game, and very often the old school managers uh, manage every game like it's Game Seven of the World Series, and we would say you shouldn't do that over 162 games. But over 60 games, any, you know, five- or six-game losing streak, and you may be out of the race. So without the expanded playoffs, there's really no margin for error, which is why from a, you know, a betting standpoint, everyone's saying Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, it's way better to take the field because there's such a higher uh, um, level and statistical probability of vari- variable happening, and I think that's what you'll see this year. I'm looking forward to it so much to just see, you know, see how teams react. And also, too, veteran teams have an advantage in this or do younger teams with younger legs that might be able to bounce back quicker? Do they have the advantage? So I think it's younger teams, and here's why. Uh, Older players, they need more spring training than they'll admit to. They always say they're good. They don't need anything. They hate spring training. They don't like sort of the workouts. They just don't enjoy that. But when I'm worried about injuries, that's my number one concern if I'm running a team. And I think younger players also, they're more malleable, meaning that if a game is changed, if a location's changed, if a bunch of players go down because of a positive test or something that happens, just younger players have a tendency to not know where they are. They don't get caught up in a moment. They don't get annoyed. Very often they're not as worried because more of the younger players don't have young kids, so they're not thinking about the logistics. You know, I'm thinking about the Blue Jays right now. Right. And, it's, you know, the Blue Jays with Guerrero and Bichette and Biggio, they're really a young team. So whether they play in Toronto, whether they play in Buffalo, you know, for them, they just want to play. But if you were worried about what to do with your family because you're now going to be on the road for 60 games instead of 30, it just becomes a lot more outside distractions. Uh, David, I was a little uh, perturbed a bit when I saw the Major League Baseball schedule come out because when they when they produced the 60-game schedule, I had already calculated it and said each team could have had four road trips and four homestands to play 60 games. I didn't understand why they needed to go on the road multiple times. I mean, if you're talking about a team like the Braves, they could have gone to play the, the Mets on the road for five and the Yankees on the road for two and knocked out that New York trip one week. They could have gone to, to D.C., 
played the Nationals for five, played the Orioles for two, and knocked out that road trip in one week. I don't understand why they're making teams visit cities multiple times if they're so concerned about a pandemic. Yeah, it, it was something. Putting a schedule together is hard, but uh, as part of Nothing Personal, that show that I do, that, yes. that's a podcast, I said that there should be 15-game road trips and 15-game homestands because we want people traveling as little as possible. And for whatever reason, baseball has had the impression that if you're on a plane for fewer hours, that means you're safer. And I just don't agree with that. Being on a plane and the logistics of traveling and in and out of hotels, that's what I'm trying to lessen, not the actual hours in the air. But instead, baseball went with geographical rivalries, but then kept the same two- and three-game series on the road. It just made no sense to me. There was time to work it out, and they just chose not to do it that way. It's a true way to see, John, whether or not that will have an impact at the end of the day. But as a logist- from a logistics standpoint, when you're on a team, two-game series in a city are a nightmare. For That's the crazy. players, for the staff. So the fewer, the better, and this year there are plenty. All right, uh, Braves over 33-and-a-half. Gut over. instinct. Okay, over. you like that one. You like that I one. I think because I, we're assuming 60 games, right? Yeah, 60 games. Yeah, yeah we're going to get so our – if it's not 60 games, we'll get our money back. So 34-and-26, I think, is not unreasonable. All right. All. Uh, I think the Braves are going to win the NL East. I, I think that the best thing that happened to them is they did not end up signing Puig. He may, but he may still end up signing, right? I mean, he still might, but you don't know. You don't know. I hope the Braves don't go that direction (laughs) because he can just not. He's not great in the clubhouse, and I think the Braves are going to be fine. The Ozuna pickup is going to be better for them than they realize. Him on a one-year deal is perfect, and of course, you've got to me the best young players in the game with Acuna and Albies, and then Freddie Freeman is one of my favorite players in baseball. On and And off, and and Pache has everybody sitting on the edge of their seats, too, uh, whether he'll be a part of this year's team or not. How about Dodgers and Yankees, both under 37-and-a-half? Well, whichever way you go with the Dodgers and Yankees, just go the same way. So okay, so if you have the logic there, yes. Or both under. I was thinking both under, 37-and-a-half. I'm just thinking, how, how many times do you see a team in any stretch win 65% of their games? Anthony was pointing that out earlier. How often do you see a third of the season a team wins 65% of their games? Nationals did it last year, and it was an oddity. Well, there's always a team who gets really hot over a 60-game stretch, but that's why I'm saying to say two teams are going to do it is probably unlikely. Listen, the Dodgers have great depth, and depth is going to matter in a sprint season like this. The Yankees right now seem healthy, but you look at them and everybody is just an injury away. And I'm not sure I'm more worried about COVID as I am about injuries that are going to happen from obliques to elbow soreness to shoulder soreness for pitchers. So I think the team that can stay the healthiest is the team that will have the advantage, which is, again, why I like younger teams, which is, again, why I like the Braves so much. How about Padres at 30 and a half over? They got to go 31 and 29. Yeah, so I'm not a Padres guy at all, and here's why. I think when you look at their team and you you spend so much money and focus so hard on Machado, you know, Tatis is an absolute superstar in the making, a great player. But my experience with A.J. Preller and and the way he puts together teams, I just would always say that uh, they are going to underperform their expectations. They're going to perform to my expectations because I have them below 500 all the time. So I, I think the under on that is good. 
Thank you very much for the insights. I appreciate that. David, moisturize, moisturize, moisturize after you shave. Because you, you have a beard that long, you're gonna, you don't want to break out. So make sure, just moisturize. Make sure you're using a deep cleanser like Neutrogena. You'll be great. You'll look beautiful again. I, without you, I'd be nowhere, John. <laughs> thank you, David. Nobody ever says that. So thank you very much. Appreciate it, buddy. My, David Sampson. Have a great day. In Las Vegas, you can sit in the sun and camp. I get my color from a sunray lamp when I'm in Las Vegas. Welcome back to the John Kincaid Show on CBS Sports Radio. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Las Vegas. Can feel it. Uh, can feel it in my bones. Especially all these uh, win total bets. I don't know about college football, though, because of the win totals, because I don't know how many games will be played. And now all those numbers are off the board. So we lean on Dennis Dodd, one of the best writers in the country, CBS Sports, who uh, I have always enjoyed his stuff. Dennis, I've found myself taking a little issue with you, though, lately. Is that going to, like, hurt our friendship at all? No, no, not at all. I've been called Debbie Downer for months. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm asking. I'm, I'm surprised. I got I to gotta say that I am surprised a bit at the drumbeat of negative opinion. Is that, uh, is that unfair of me? To have that feeling, or I don't know. I don't even know if that's a phrase question. Why you just answer it any way you want to? I, I think it's it's fair in in just to be optimistic. I and others just happen to think the story right now is how and when and why, frankly, college football is going to play, and not who's going to get the Georgia starting quarterback job. I mean, <laughs> I, I I left for joy when the preseason magazines came out. You know, they sure. made that decision. In whatever place they do that, that this is worth doing. We think we're going to have a season. Great, and I, I think in some way we are, but I don't think I don't know if we'll complete it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, I, it's I, I, one, one I think that's very like. To, there's nothing I can debate with you on that about whether that's logical. That's that's very logical. I mean, right now, if you ask me, do you think a season can be completed? Do you think a, a teams can play? I absolutely agree with you. The only thing I right. would say is this: is that I'm 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 surprised because people are turning to Dennis Dodd or turning to you to like they they you are 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 you, like you are a must read for me because I want to believe there's going to be a season and hear about it. I don't want to be inundated with okay, you can they're talking about having a season but don't do it. Like don't even dream about it cuz it's not going to happen. That but like that drags everybody down is what I'm thinking. Well, I hate to use this word, but some of this is just the science. You know, this is the only small, the only major sport where the participants don't get to dictate their working conditions. And you just heard David talk about baseball and all those road trips. Um, you know, same thing here, except the players haven't had a say in it. You know, the, I, I was really discouraged this week, last week, when the NCAA announced the testing protocols and once a week, 72 hours before a game, how, how many times can they get out and either get infected, spread it to somebody else, a 60-year-old coach, or, or get it themselves? Um, it's just, it was, and, and, and look, I don't sit here and say I know the answer to that. I just was bewildered. You know, I don't know how you get around that. I, I didn't. To me, it seemed strange. The, uh, the testing plan, to me, seemed a bit inadequate. Is that, right. is that a fair word? But the only that's, thing yeah, I would it. say, 
The only thing I would say to the 65-year-old coach or whatever it is is that if they feel personal risk, they shouldn't be coaching. They should be sitting it out. They should be because my mom's 91 in Philadelphia, and I've been told I can't even go visit her. I can't go on a plane and go visit my mom, and my mom has had to stay in for months and shelter in place because she's vulnerable. And, right. and so to me, if a 60, like I've heard this about the coaches, one of these kids could invade. If a coach is vulnerable, then they shouldn't be coaching. That should be a personal responsibility issue, right? And they, that's right. And they look, we know, you know, they want to get out and coach and do what they do. And they earn millions of dollars and, sure. and all that, they, their desire. And there are steps being taken, suggested to mitigate that, you know, mask at all times. Uh, I heard even one person say, have them in a towel on the sideline, I'll uh, Bear Bryant uh, during games, <laughs> so they're not around. So it's yeah. There's look. There's a certain amount of risk. There's a huge risk in anything you do in this space: baseball, football, basketball, whatever. Um, and yeah, if they want to, if they if they're worried about getting it, don't coach. But we know that's probably not an acceptable answer either for those How- people. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports joining us as uh, we talk about college football. I can't wait to talk with real games with you again at some point. Me too. Um, (laughs) And I know you do too. Let me ask you this, though. Where are the follow-up stories on all the players who tested positive? Clemson, Texas, LSU, otherwise. Where are all the stories on the fact that, I mean, at least people I'm talking to, I'm hearing that majority asymptomatic and almost all of them back in Back in a, about their business. Why don't We're, why don't those stories get that? that I, they, th- they, I think we'd love to do them, John. Um, that information isn't available. But the uh, thing is, to. though, the only thing is, though, is the story of the positive test is. But the but the the follow up to is how come have any have any you can they can ask us if any players any players hospitalized any players uh, in danger any players like what are we hearing here are we hearing of any players opt out i personally believe an 18 year old should have the opportunity to sign a waiver sure to say yeah. i take on the responsibility of playing oh. college football this year and if if i'm taking on the risk of covid is that too simple on my part like is that yeah, is there's that a, a simple? lot of legalities involved in that um, as far as the news about players who who didn't test positive you know, again, we don't know who they are. Um, and, and frankly, that's been out there. Those schools have done a great job of putting that information out there. I tweeted it right away when Michigan uh, tested all the, all the athletes and staff, 514 people, and had four positives. I took, you know, I, I put it out there right away on Twitter. Hey, look at this. You know, that's one. Maybe this is working. We don't know. Um, I think that I think that the concept of herd immunity is a little short-sighted from the medical experts I've talked to because that takes an entire population, not 514 Michigan people. But, you know, maybe they are safer on campus. Or, or maybe, we don't know, that gathering 120 people in one place is probably not the best way to mitigate, you know, a national pandemic. We're just going to have to wait and see. Now, we've been told, Dennis, to trust the, like in this, in this whole debate, we've been told to trust the science, right? That's mm-hmm. been the talking points. The American Association of Pediatric Medicine came out almost unanimously saying our children need to be back in school, in-person school, and they need to be back in school. But it seems like administrators, sports writers, uh, mayors, are totally discounting the science at this point. So who am I to believe? The foremost experts on childhood health? Or am I supposed to believe 
the local mayor or local uh, media members. And there are other local, I mean, there are other health experts in California that say they, they're not going to be in place. I mean, it, it speaks down to the lack of a central authority from the administration on down. To the, I hate to bring that up, but the NCAA no, that's the truth. as well. Yeah, that's true. The NCAA as well. You know, Mark Emmert says, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if we're going to have a season. We're, you know, I don't, by the way, Mark, you have no say in it, okay? Exactly. Those, those, <laughs> those, those, say those drug guidelines that were put out this week, they're guidelines. Not enforceable. That the schools can't be penalized for not following them. They're done in good conscience, I think. But it, it's just the lack of it, the lack of authority in college football is, is striking. Where one day, one day, the Big Ten says we're going to play conference games only, caught everyone else completely by surprise, and frankly, angered some commissioners. And I'm sure not saying it's right or wrong. They may all right. end up doing that. But you could get in a room. You would think with five commissioners, why don't we do this? Okay, let's announce it in two weeks or, or plan on announcing it. Instead, we're sitting here, you know, with Clemson, South Carolina going to be played. Well, all these games are going to play. We have to stop after six games. We don't know. And I think at the end of the day, the answer becomes, if you don't know, why are you doing it? You know, I, I really do. And I'm not saying the season's not going to be played. But if you don't know the answers to those questions, what are you doing? It's a uh, – this is – right now, if I was to, to say to you, do you believe um, – do you believe we'll see any games? Would you this morning have I, yeah. a gut instinct to, yes, we will? Yeah, yes, because of what the Big Ten did. And I think there'll be other conferences as well. You know, they're kind of kicking the can down the road. It's a 14-week schedule this year. They're going to play nine games as it stands right now. That would seemingly be five open Saturdays where you could make up games if they're delayed, if a team can't play, postponed, whatever. The, the biggest, or one of the biggest um, drawbacks to this, and Bob Bowlesby of the Big 12 has spoken to it several times, the worst thing that can happen is there's a, there's a uh, delay in the season. You know, in the middle of the season, you've played eight games and there's a breakout and nobody can play. Well, that's not going to last a week. You know, you're not going to sit out a week and everybody go back. And you may have to cancel it then. Aside from you know, not playing football at all, that's their biggest fear. So I would say, I would say we're going to see some football games this fall, just don't ask me where, when, why, how conference champions playoff. That's that's too complicated right now. Will you uh, right now? Have you thought about would you travel to cover a game if you if you had the opportunity to do so? I, I've thought about it. Um, I have a well, my wife is compromised, um, so I I can't get it because she can't get it. You know what I mean? If right. I get so you have to prepare for that, right? Right, right. She she's one of those that that is compromised because of certain things. So I, I can't get, I mean, I just, I just simply can't get it because I would put her at tremendous risk. So and I don't think it yeah. keeps you from, I don't think it keeps you from having your strong opinions and having your two eyes. You could, for one year, you could watch, you could watch on TV. No, it wouldn't be ideal. I mean, you see, you know, you see ESPN doing those games remotely. And I think that will become, I think that in particular, maybe may become the norm because of budgetary issues. I, I hope we don't, you know, covering college football, that's almost 100% of the experience being there and seeing everything. So, yeah. I brought that up. Dennis, I brought that up a couple weeks ago when you're seeing Major League Baseball teams now uh, go and and have a, you know, like they're they're having their their announcers do the games from their home stadium Mm -hmm. by watching a TV monitor. If these radio stations, television stations, TV networks figure out they can save 
ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year doing that, even if it's not much more than that. I have a feeling we may see this be the norm going yeah, forward. I think, I think so. I mean, I it struck me a couple of years ago when the Cal Hawaii game from Australia was uh, done from uh, Bristol, and I don't know if they spoke about it in advance, but you kind of knew. Um, and and I'm, I'm saying that as a negative. They pulled it off. Right. But I think because of health and budgetary issues, it'll eventually be budgetary issues. I think that could be the case. Why can't more people that disagree on issues have conversations like we just had? <laughs> Honestly, in 2020, well, they're so rare. They're so rare. They're, no, John, because they're discussions. They're not Twitter screed <laughs> or, you know, DMs or exactly. emails. Yes. yes. You know, it's not voice to voice. Yeah. Right. All right. Right. Take, uh, and last pick. Should I put some money on your St. Louis Blues? I'm going to Vegas. Should I put some money on your St. Louis Blues to win the Cup again? Well, uh, defending champs now in July of 2020, still reigning champs. I <laughs> exactly. would say yes. Their think... best player is back, Vladimir yes. Tarasenko, from a shoulder. I, I'd like him. Uh, yeah, hey. you know, put a couple shekels down. Yeah, All right, that's what I might do. Dennis, thanks for your time, man. Always appreciate it. Hi, John. Thank you. Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports joining us here on the John Kikage Show. Big Blues fan. He was so happy. He was like he was like I was when the Eagles won. He was that way when the St. Louis Blues won. Uh, I love that. See, people can disagree pretty much completely on an issue and still have a civil conversation and a give and take of ideas. So uh, I like it. So sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. More of that would be welcome in 2020. We certainly don't have enough of it. I'll have plenty of time to get your calls in during the last hour of the show so you can join in these conversations, which will be great. Uh, We're going to have a funeral for all the negative messaging of the last few months. And let's be honest, the five percenters, they're not going down without a fight. Who are they? Final hour of the John Kincaid Show requires you to come back right here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.